The older I get, the more I realize there are just some things I don't know. Balancing a budget, for example. I'm not a financial whiz. Sure, I know batting averages, passing and rushing yards, three-point shooting percentage. But intentionally putting away money for retirement? That's where my friends at NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast come in. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the financial world, helping you make smarter decisions with your money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning my tax bills so I don't dread April every single year. Actually, I was one of the first in line this time around. Saving on travel so that I can take my girls on trips. Because spending less on airfare means more money for an extra night and maybe a fancy dinner too. So enjoy the things you love, the Ole Miss Rebels, your family, your friends, knowing that your financial situation is taken care of with advice that you followed from NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up! It's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, and the guest co-host here is Nate Gabler, covers Ole Miss for the Oxford Eagle. Two guests today on Talk of Champions. First, David Johnson for a recruit check, and then former Ole Miss quarterback Bo Wallace on the Modern Women phone line. But Nate is up first. Hey, buddy, what's up? Not much. How are you doing, Ben? I'm good. How are you spending your bye week? I mean, not too much. Think about going up to Nashville for a day or two. Got to cover some high school games on Friday, but kind of just going to chill a little bit, I think. Enjoy the time off. How about you? Oh, I'm doing it like I do every single week. I'm never going to take anything too seriously. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. What is Nate's state of the program for Ole Miss football right now? Uh, Fluctuation, fluidity, indecisiveness. I think there's just a lot of question marks. I don't know if it's a ton of negative, as people want to suggest. I don't think it's a ton of positives. I think it's mostly just questions. Wouldn't you agree with that? Probably. I think that the more Ole Miss inches closer to a 4-8 and finish, the closer we get to asking real hard questions like Nick Suss and I talked about on Tuesday about Matt Luke's job security. That's fair. You have New Mexico State's, and I mean, it, it's fair to say that's an easy win. They're one of the worst teams in FBS football. The Egg Bowl, I think, is pretty much a toss-up, but there's, I mean, this team's not making a bowl game. And that's a colossal failure this year. I mean, it's year three. It's, I mean, you want to be, I mean, it's nice that you're getting all this production from the young guys, but at some point, production has to equal wins. Before we really get going here on Talk of Champions, let me tell you about my bookie. As a true football fan, you already know just as sure as the seasons change, Tom Brady will keep the Patriots in the game. Every weekend, our favorite gridiron warriors put their skills to the test, so why aren't you doing the same? We're almost halfway through the NFL season. College football season is wrapping up, so now is the time to get off the sidelines and get in the game with my bookie. My bookie is the premier place to bet on all your favorite pro and college football action every weekend. They always have the most up-to-date lines and the most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. 
So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing. Bet with the best at MyBookie. Best part is if you join right now, MyBookie will double, double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they'll give you $1,000. That's double your initial deposit you can use on all your favorite picks. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, to activate the offer. That's promo code TOC to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Beer sales against Texas A&M, 128,000. Before we really get into football, your thought on beer sales? I mean, that's the number is a little lower than I expected, right? Me too. I mean, you look at schools like, I think Texas in their first year sold like one and a half million. If you take that, I mean, in sales, that number extrapolated over seven games is about half of that. So I mean, obviously the stadium's smaller, all that stuff. But I, I think even like Keith Carter and everyone would admit that that's a lower number than they wanted. That's for sure. Fan apathy plays into that a little bit too. Just fans not showing sure. up for games. Of course it is. But I mean, it's, it's also Texas A&M. Like how, I mean, I'm sure you'll sell more against LSU, but there's no way they're selling 15,000 drinks against New Mexico State. Over under 32,000 for New Mexico State. Under probably, right? It depends what time the game is. If it's a night game, it's, it's not going to be good regardless. Over under a quarter and a half for the students to stay for that game. <laughs> probably under. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to take every under if you give them to me, every single one. <laughs> Doesn't matter I'm what I said. Unders, it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> what is this week in practice for Ole Miss football? There's so many people that are missing. I mean, you're talking almost the entire offensive line isn't practicing. John Rice Plumley isn't practicing. Jerrion Ely isn't practicing. Scotty Phillips isn't practicing. I guess it's good for some of those young guys. I mean, it's probably good for Matt Corral to get more reps, but this isn't like the first team offense out there. That's for sure. I don't know how you can really evaluate things. Honestly, when you're dealing with four backup offensive linemen, no starting running backs, like it's gotta be a weird week of practice for those that have been calling for Matt Corral to get the reins back on the offensive quarterback. I think you're going to see it against Auburn. I'd be shocked if John Rice plays. I'm not a doctor by any means, but it seems wildly optimistic for him to, he got out of surgery on Tuesday theoretically even if he starts practicing two weeks out from that that seems like positive that it's just wildly optimistic like talking to luke yesterday he said they expect him to be ready to go for auburn now ready to go doesn't mean he's going to play but ready to go means you're suited up on the sideline right you could play i can't imagine that's actually the case no i don't think he's playing and then the question becomes does grant tisdale make an appearance i guarantee he's at least the two for that game and if it's a blowout on the road in Auburn, I mean, he came in at the end of Alabama. I'd, I'd like to see him play, wouldn't you? I mean, he looked good against Bama. We were also talking single drive, two pass attempts. Like, the sample sizes, to say it's small isn't even fair at all. It's, it's nothing. If you're committed to utilizing two quarterbacks, stands to reason if you don't have one of them, but you have another capable guy who's a better runner than Matt Corral, that Grant Tisdale's going to show up against Auburn. Yeah, I don't think – they're not going to rotate him, though, because the past month of practice, it's been John Rice and Corral, when healthy, have been splitting the reps with the ones. Uh, Luke was pretty blunt. He's said Corral's getting all the reps with the ones. Uh, Grant Tisdale's getting all the reps with the twos. So, I mean, that to me suggests that it's just a one quarterback game at Matt's play. It's weird that Grant Tisdale isn't getting more of a chance just to show what he can do in a season that is now called a lost season. So, I mean, four games left. He's appeared in one so far. So they can play him in three of the last four games without burning the red shirt. 
wouldn't if you're Matt Luke, isn't that the plan that you're going with? I want to see him, but I'm also not burning that red shirt. Well, you're going to play him, though. You have opportunities to play. You're not going to play him against Mississippi State. You're going to try to win that game. If nothing yeah, else, course. say what you want about Matt Luke. He's going to put everything he has into trying to beat Mississippi State. So John Rice is going to play. Matt Corral is going to play. Grant Tisdale's probably not playing in the Egg Bowl, which should be competitive. LSU's going to beat you. Auburn's going to beat you. Unless it's mop-up duty, Grant Tisdale isn't going to play. You could see him playing against New Mexico State, but I don't think there's any chance he breaks that four-game red shirt threshold. No way. It would be stupid to, and there's no reason to. He's not going to help you win at Auburn or against LSU. Oh, this is not State, even I mean, going to be competitive against those teams, I don't think. I think Auburn, there's a better chance than LSU. I still, I mean, I believe anytime you're starting a true freshman quarterback like Auburn is, that there's going to be games, quarters, when just weird shit happens. I mean, you're at 18 years old, you make mistakes, but... I, don't, I mean, they're not going to win. I think that one could be competitive. LSU is arguably the best team in the country. That one's going to be ugly. No one wants to really go over this, but it's the bye week, and this is what I've done every single year in the podcast. During a bye week, who's been the MVP for Ole Miss football so far? MVP, Jerion Ely? Is I a like, guy that's getting four like, or less touches a no, game? No. Yeah. I like Sam Williams' play a lot. Yes. Jack Wes would be a guy that I would think. Those are the two guys on defense, right? Benito Jones, maybe. Oh, Benino's been so good. That's true. I guess had a monster. I I guess it's another one that's just so hard to name an inside uh, defensive lineman as that. Like you don't have the numbers, but man, he is playing so well. That stretch that he had against Alabama, Cal Vandy is just disgusting. Three TFLs a game. I think he had two sacks in two of those three games and one sack in the other. It's just he's playing really well. It's a good point. Sam, like, I know he got, he started at the beginning of the year, had a few games where Luke Knox was weirdly starting over him, but he has bounced back so well in the last two games, too. Luke was only starting because Sam broke, like, four fingers on one of his hands. Yeah, I also, I think Sam was kind of freelancing a little bit there, and now that he's kind of completely figured out where he's supposed to be, I think it's been a little different. Yeah, he's been great. The most disappointing player so far has been... Can I say all of the receivers that aren't named Elijah Moore? Yeah, mine's going to be Miles Battle all day. Yeah, I think it's just it's all the receivers except for Elijah. The size of the gap in production from Elijah Moore to the next best receiver as far as production is concerned is unbelievably bad. It makes no sense, really, because like these guys are supposed to be good. They were good recruits. They were talked up all offseason. The thing that doesn't make any sense is people are like, Oh, move John Rice to the slot. That's stupid. Don't do that. What I would like to see is when Scotty's on the field, line up Jerry on Ely in the slot. Why not? It doesn't make any sense to me why Ole Miss isn't one of the better screen games in the country. I asked Bo Wass about that. He's coming up on the Modern Woodman phone line in just a little bit. And he made a good point about how if you're not challenging a defense vertically, it's hard to open up your screen game. But Ole Miss should have been a good screen team week two. Jerry on Ely should be getting the ball in every conceivable way outside of just strictly handoffs. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the two the two running back sets they're doing. I'd like to see him lined up in the slot, like motion him as like jet sweep action, even if you don't even hand it to him. Just the threat of that's going to take a few linebackers out of a play. Just not that Rich Rudd hasn't been creative. I mean, you saw some of the plays with two quarterbacks on the field last week, which I asked him about something he said even before they were planning the whole two quarterback system i guess he had that play that they were repping but screen games some of it is creativity some of it's just basic stuff that everyone team every team runs but 
even getting like someone like Jason Pellerin involved in like a weird tight end backside screen would be interesting. Just try something. Who cares? Rich Rod feels one and done. I don't think he's adjusted well or has enjoyed being the number two guy, not being the head coach, not controlling everything. I think he's one and done. It feels that way. I definitely agree with the second part there. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea how he's taking being the number two guy. I just don't think he, he hasn't really seemed like he's enjoying himself at all. This just seems like a, a task every week, not really one that he's kind of embraced all that much. It feels like he's got one foot out the door. Why not? These guys are smart enough to know all the fluidity with this coaching staff, with this university in general. Like Planting roots here for him would have kind of been stupid from the start. The one guy you got to hold on to for dear life is Mike McIntyre. Okay, well, explain this to me. Why wouldn't Mike McIntyre go to Nashville? If he has coaching opportunities, why wouldn't he take that over this? The only question I would have is, is there something in his old Colorado contract that would prevent him from getting any of that old money? Yeah, that's true. What's it been two? Is it one year or two years removed from that? Yeah, but at some point, would the money matter that much if if he could take over his dad's old job? I don't know. I don't know either. And it's not something you can ask him. I mean, it is. He wouldn't give you an answer. If you're Vanderbilt... Mike McIntyre is a strange fit for you. You have to be the program that goes and finds the next great young coach. I mean, Franklin hit extremely well. I mean, I don't know if Derek Mason busted, but it's definitely not working long term. Vanderbilt's not a school that can go get like a lot. Of, like, what is, you're not going to get Graham Harrell or someone like that if you're Vandy. He's not going to Vandy. I think you just take the best guy that you can get, and I think the legacy hire there could, could make sense, honestly. I think Mike would be tempted. I agree. I certainly think he'd entertain this job if it were to come open. I mean, obviously, the Twitter sphere loves him for the head coaching job, and that means nothing. <laughs> that means nothing at all. <laughs> I will say Not this. Okay, let's play the hypothetical game before we get back to bye week awards and then get to uh, David Johnson for a recruit check. Matt Luke has to replace both of his coordinators in the offseason. If he's not your guy, it can be no half measures. You want Matt Luke making two more coordinator hires if both of them are gone at the end of the year? Or do you just finally look around and say, what are we doing here, and completely reset the thing? Because then you're just stacking more money on buyouts if you don't believe Matt Luke to be the guy um, this time next year. Looking at everything in a vacuum, imagine a program that hasn't really done much in three years, bringing in three different sets of coordinators over the course of three years. That would be laughable. And you're starting one and four next year no matter what. Yeah. You start with Baylor and Houston, Southeast Missouri and Oxford, you're going to win. Auburn at home, at LSU, Alabama. I'd say the only way you start two and three, let alone one and four, is if Matt Rule, Baylor's coach, takes one of the NFL jobs that he's probably going to get offered to him. If Matt Rule stays in Texas and you have Baylor at Houston game one, yeah, you're, you're starting one and four. You just are. And now you get UConn instead of Middle Tennessee next year. I don't know if UConn's any good. I have no clue. I'm just going to consider that one a wash. They're coming here, right? I mean, obviously, they're probably better than Middle Tennessee, but you have to win that football game, especially before a bye week. You lose that football game, that's a game you get fired at. Two more awards before we get to David Johnson here. The freshman of the year so far has been? So are we going to allow Jerry on Ely as an answer? Yeah. I'll take the consistency over Ely. I mean, he hasn't seen the field as much as any of us would like to see, but that explosiveness is like, he looks like an NFL player from day one. John Rice, as good as he's been, it's been entertaining. 
it certainly hasn't been perfect. Jerry on Ely looks like a pro from day one. Most improved player has been who? I'd say Sam. Like we talked about earlier, I think it took him a few weeks to kind of get into this. He didn't get benched like midway through the season, but he was coming off the bench. And then these last few weeks have been crazy. Uh, At Mizzou, you have one, one TFL, one and a half last week, two at Bama, two and a half sacks over the last two weeks. I just think he's been really, really impressive. Mine's Jacquez Jones. That's fair. I mean, he stepped into that Momo role so well. I think, yet again, he was kind of one that, I think that first game without Momo, he kind of struggled a little bit, just like in his angles and pursuit and that stuff. And man, he has really strengthened up the middle of that defense. I mean, without those linebackers in that defensive line, it's the reason the rush defense, when it has been good, has been good. When Ole Miss gets at the end of the year, who's going to lead them in rushing? John Rice Plumley, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking Scotty or Jerry on for a second. Yeah. I'd say even, even if John Rice misses this Auburn game, which I think we both agree he will, I still see no reason that he wouldn't come back. And then New Mexico State, maybe he only plays a half. You're going to do anything you can against LSU and Mississippi State to win. LSU, you're not going to win, but you're going to try. I'd be pretty surprised if Plumlee doesn't end up as the leading rusher. That voice you hear is Nate Gabler. He covers Ole Miss for the Oxford Eagle. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to David Johnson, my cohort at the Ole Miss Spirit, for a recruit check brought to you by Impact by Ironwood. Business owners, did you know you can support Ole Miss athletics every time you accept a debit or credit card payment? That's right. Impact by Ironwood offers the best debit and credit card payments processing tools around, and they'll donate a portion of their profits to the Ole Miss Athletics Foundation in your name. The best part, you don't have to spend an extra dime to get exclusive member benefits, earn donor priority points, and support your Ole Miss Rebels. To learn more, call 1-833-GO-TEAMS. That's 1-833-GO-TEAMS. Or go to www.impactolemiss.com. That's impactolemiss.com. Make a difference. Make an impact. Check that shit out. Wow. You're here. I'm here. Let's do this! Joining me now for a recruit check here on Talk of Champions, brought to you by Impact by Ironwood, is David Johnson. Works with me at the Ole Miss Spirit, omespirit.com, an affiliate of 247 Sports. David, how you doing this bye week? Kind of odd territory, isn't it? Not having a game on Saturday. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually thinking about possibly uh, taking a Saturday off. You should. I've told I'm, you that. I, I may. You know, I, I go out to uh, softball Wednesday night, and I find out they're going to move those Saturday games to Sunday because it's supposed to be storming on Saturday. Ooh. So I'm waiting on that official announcement. And then, hey, who knows, man? I may go to Tupelo or somewhere Saturday. Tupelo yeah. is where you go when you're taking a <laughs> I mean, it's just a day, right? Yeah. Not going to okay. go too far. Maybe we'll go to Memphis. There you go. Memphis yeah. at least has a couple of malls and – other things to do rather than just go to Tupelo, go to Barnes Crossing and get a cookie. I like those cookies there. Yeah, they're pretty good. But you got they're that good. in Oxford. What Ole Miss doesn't have anymore in Oxford is Josiah Haynes. He's a four-star defensive lineman decommitted from Ole Miss on Wednesday. A surprise? Yeah, yeah, definitely a surprise. I, I mean, Josiah Hayes has been committed to Ole Miss since last June. He has been a frequent visitor to the Ole Miss campus. Uh, everything our sources have been telling us is that, you know, he was secure. He was in the class. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of perceived uh, worry. 
that he would float out of the class and boom, he did. Now, there has been a strong surge from Mississippi State uh, with Josiah Hayes. There's no doubt uh, Mississippi State has made up some ground. But, you know, if it's any perceived stability on, you know, with the Ole Miss football program on the part of Josiah Hayes with him making this decommitment, uh, there's not necessarily stability down in Starkville right now either. Uh, I do think this is going to be an Ole Miss-Mississippi State battle. Wouldn't be surprised if Auburn doesn't try to uh, get in this thing. I don't think they really have been in it up until this point, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. They're in need of defensive linemen over there on the Plains. He certainly would fill that bill. But, uh, yeah, surprise. Now, yeah, you know, one school of thought is he's doing exactly what Jerry on Ely did last year when Ely decommitted from Ole Miss because he didn't want to go and take his official visits being committed to another program. Hayes is going to take his visits. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, you know, just adds a little bit of intrigue to everything else going on around the palace these days. The question, I think, is obvious now. Is it a little bit of concern for recruits then about Matt Luke. Is it telling at all? You know, I don't know if this one thing uh, specifically is, if Hayes' decommitment is, uh, you know, something that uh, relates to your question there. I think uh, I think there are four games left to go in this season, a lot of football left to play, and a lot of water that's going to have to flow under the bridge. Uh, I know there's a, you know, there, there's no denying there's speculation out there uh, amongst the fan base mostly, but uh, the, right now there's not even an athletic director in place at Ole Miss in terms of a person who would, uh, you know, be charged with making that decision. So I, I think all of that stuff is kind of premature right now. There are four games left to play in this season. No doubt about it. I do have a question, though, because We've heard this talking point a lot before when there has been at least some question as far as the long-term viability of a head coach at a program about keeping a good recruiting class intact. Do you put much stock in when you're making these type of big long-term decisions? Whether or not it's real right now, it might be real in a month. We don't know, but purely hypothetical during a bye week. Do you buy much of that as far as protecting the recruiting class? Should that factor in at all? I mean, in all honesty, if you're not Nick Saban in Alabama, there's no such thing as coaching stability in college football. There's just not. I mean, you know, last year, everything was eaten up with speculation that Auburn was going to get rid of Gus Malzahn. Now Gus Malzahn looks to be completely safe. Uh, there was speculation at one time Ed Orgeron wouldn't survive down at LSU. Orgeron certainly looks to be extremely safe right now. Uh, you know, that's just part of the game. Look, coaches are, are carnival workers. They're nomadic. It's the nature of the profession that they chose. And, you know, I honestly think these kids are a lot smarter nowadays than what they were maybe 10 years ago when it comes to the recruiting process. They know, and you hear them say this more often than not, that they're committing to the university, to the to the school, and not to a coaching staff. And they're all the wiser if they do that. But stability in college football, non-existent. I mean, Joe Moorhead got hired at Mississippi State two years ago, and how much uh, traction is out there right now that he's not going to be there you know, after the Egg Bowl? Is he going to go to Rutgers? Are they going to fire him? You know, that kind of stuff is everywhere. It's not like it used to be to where kids are so much tied to a particular staff and a coach in general. They know these schools and they know the business. They're well aware of it. They're in on the entire joke now to where if Ole Miss is a school that they've grown comfortable with, they're going to be comfortable with that school regardless of who the coach is in two months. Yeah, and to be honest with you, the stability, you know, lack of stability with coaches and coaching staffs is now of concern 
concern when it comes to the players with the NCAA transfer portal. Uh, you don't know what your roster is going to look like from year to year. And that's what's happened to college football, Ben. It's, it's, ter- it's turned mercenary on all sides. Uh, coaches are going to go where the most money is in most cases. The kids are going to go where there's opportunity. And nowadays, if there's not opportunity there for the kid, he's not going to he's not going to ride the pine anymore and wait his chance. Just it, it, fewer and fewer kids are willing to do that. Uh, they're going to come in here, st- stick their toe in the water. If it's not the right temperature, they're gone, brother. And uh, you know, I think you're going to have to keep a keen eye on that. Uh, you know, at the end of this season, not just at Ole Miss, but every school in the country. I mean, it's going to be a shuffling of the deck. Uh, am I wrong about that? No, I mean, look at Ole Miss already this year. They've had a number of kids already enter the transfer portal. Mid-season, yeah. uh, you know, middle of the season. Guys guys who had played in games this year just going, I, I see the writing on the wall. I'm not going to get my opportunity. I'm out of here. Montreal Custis, C.J. Miller, Cam White. Am I missing anybody? Well, those are the last three to enter. But if you go back, you know, to the off season, you had Cavante Rowe jump in the transfer portal, Josh Clark jump in the transfer portal. Uh, you know, and Ole Miss is not an exception to that rule. It is happening everywhere. So, you know, stability. If you're a recruit out there and you're looking for stability in college football, it ain't there. It's not there. Does that change anything for Ole Miss recruiting wise as far as needs? You know, I think it's something you got to keep your eye on. You got, you've got to keep an eye on what's going to happen in December. Okay, I, I mean, you know, just totally hypothetical here. But right now, you've got one quarterback committed, Robbie Ashford, in this 2020 class. What if two of the four scholarship roster quarterbacks decide to leave this program in December, and maybe, maybe you add another? Maybe there's a need to put a fourth one on the roster because that position in particular, you don't ever know from year to year. I mean, you go from riches to rags real quick in, in quarterback recruiting because, I mean, heading into this season, man, you loved what you had. You had Matt Corral, Grant Tisdale, John Rice Plumley, Ken K. Dent back there lurking in the shadows. You feel like, man, Ole Miss has got some really good quarterbacks on their roster. But the question is, will it look that way by Christmas? Will it look that way? I, I, I mean, is Matt Corral going to be content being a part-time quarterback? Is Grant Tisdale going to be content on sitting back and waiting for his opportunity behind John Rice Plumley or Matt Corral? I mean, there are a lot of questions there, and you can apply those questions. And I'm not just singling those guys out. I'm not predicting anything. I'm simply saying this is the day and age of college football in which that is applicable. There's not any stability. So if I'm a 17-year-old kid out there and I'm fissing to commit to, to old Coach Larry, wherever old Coach Larry is, because I want to spend my career playing with old Coach Larry, man, Coach Larry is probably going to be uh, you know, executing his buyout and somewhere else by the time you get finished. Grant Tisdale said on Wednesday that he's all in. Do you buy that? And do you think Grant Tisdale, it's not really a recruiting question, but he'll get an opportunity before the year's out? Uh, you know, I hope he does. Uh, but, you know, as much as a two quarterback rotation has been criticized, Lord help me, what a three quarterback rotation the reviews <laughs> on that would be. Uh, so I don't know. I, I can't say that with any authority. Uh, you know, it was an obligatory question that had to be asked of Tisdale. You know, are you cool with how things are standing right now? If if he walks in front of the media like he did Wednesday evening after practice and we don't ask him that, then we're not doing our job. But you're going to get the obligatory answer. I love my guys. I'm pushing for them, I, you know, but I'm ready to go. 
And that's all he could say. We, you, you knew that's all he would say, but you got him on the record saying it. Oh, didn't you hear, though? Mill Tucker said there's no transfer portal in the real world, though. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's not like right. any of us can leave for a job just because we want to live somewhere else or want a different job. Yeah, I, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I mean I'm in a Twitter spat today over uh, – you know, something I retweeted, Florida's governor comes out this morning that players should be uh, should have the ability to make uh, money off their their names, rights and likeness. I'm, I'm all for that. I think it's 100 uh, percent something that should happen. And then you have these people that come at you with they are getting paid. They're getting a scholarship. Let me tell you something. They're, they're not getting, getting paid what they were. They, they are getting a scholarship because they bring something special to that university to make your university better. They are not getting paid what they're worth. You're exactly right that with that, Ben. I, I mean, you know, and the, and the thing that b- baffles me, and this is something that never really comes up very much, but I want you to think about all these football injuries all of these kids have. And, you know, one day they're going to be 30 years old and they're going to have to have that shoulder redone or that knee rebuilt or hip replacement and all that. How many for, how many former players, Ben, do you know they have to go through that stuff on a routine basis when they get in their 30s and 40s? There's no fund, no fund at all for the NCAA or the university they played for to take care of their future health care needs that can directly be traced back to them playing. So the, the guy arguing with me on Twitter about, hey, I'm a college student and I'm accumulating debt, so don't tell me they're not getting paid. Well, they're getting something. They're getting an education from it, but they're not getting what they are worth. They are getting the short end of the stick. Look, there's nothing to break your heart more than anything to see a kid 500 miles away from home at a university playing college football. And it's week four of a very, very long month. And he's had to pay rent. He's had to pay car insurance. He's had to put gas in his car. He's had to buy a new pair of shoes because one of them blew out or something like that. And he don't have the he don't have money to function on the last week of the season. I guess we can say this. There are no FCC regulations on, on these podcasts. That is bullshit, Ben. Two things. One, Twitter is always the best place to have healthy conversation. And two, yeah. <laughs> nothing turns capitalists into socialists like pain players. I don't want to get into this. This is a recruit check, but you're right. I completely agree with you. Real quickly, Matt Luke said in his Monday press conference, the needs left, defensive back, tight end, defensive line. Tight end, we know who it is. It's J.J. Peakies. What about yep. D-back and D-line? Well, the defensive line, I mean, obviously uh, – that's changed a little bit. Now he's a target when we're talking about Josiah Hayes. They'd like to bring him back in this class. The other two guys, I think it's real simple. It's McKinley Jackson down at George County. Matt Luke uh, and Freddie Roach are both going to be at his game on Friday night. By the way, if that if that tells you how big of a target McKinley Jackson is, four-star defensive tackle. The other one is Amari Thomas at Briarcrest Christian up in Memphis. Uh, he is a teammate of Ole Miss commit Jabari Small, and Ole Miss would very much like to bring Amari Thomas into the fold. As far as the defensive backs goes, I think that's still a little up in the air right now exactly who they're who they're going to target. Uh, there are a group of them right now, but I, th- I think some, some things have to happen. Uh, they, they've got to get a real feel of where they're at with some of those guys. But I, I think that's it. I mean, I think that's what you're looking at uh, unless, as you brought up earlier in this podcast, something interesting happens in terms of the transfer portal, which creates a need at another position. Big deal for Ole Miss. Alabama misses out on a five-star tight end that thought it was going to commit. That tight end goes to LSU. 
they're going to ramp up on J.J. Peakies, aren't they? Absolutely, absolutely. But I really and, and look, I think Alabama just talking to some people has made up some ground with J.J. Peakies. I think he likes Nick Saban a whole lot. But Auburn, I think, is the real threat. Uh, but between uh, getting uh, J.J. Peakies on the Ole Miss campus or not. And, 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 you know, there's a vibe out there, depending on who you talk to, that, you know, J.J. Peakies grew up in Oxford. He, he grew up inside Vaught-Hemingway Stadium watching Ole Miss play. He's about to go off to college. And, you know, there may be a little bit of thought. I don't want to put words in his mouth. But there may be a thought in J.J.'s head that he wants to go experience something different for college and you can't hold that against a kid if that in fact is the case uh, I think Ole Miss is still a player for JJ but but I think you are absolutely correct in bringing up Alabama and uh, there's no doubt Auburn is in this thing up to their eyebrows he's David Johnson he works with me at the Ole Miss Spirit OleMissSpirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports at Rebels 247 on Twitter for a recruit check brought to you by Impact by Ironwood thank you my friend I appreciate it all right Ben thank you for having me on That was David Johnson for Recruit Check. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And the guest co-host chair is Nate Gabler. He covers Ole Miss for the Oxford Eagle. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Talk of Champions is brought to you in part by Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Don't look now, but the holiday season is almost upon us. That special time of year to spend with family and friends. And that includes spoiling your loved ones. And what better way to spoil them than with a new car? Now, the car buying process, no one loves it. That's why the only place to go, the only place I've ever gone, is Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. And there are numerous reasons why drivers choose Alan Samuels of Oxford. They proudly serve Oxford, Batesville, New Albany, Sinatobia, Memphis, and their teams of sales advisors, service technicians, and financing experts are trained with one focus in mind, addressing each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. And that means you can expect to learn all of the features of the specific new Ram 1500, 2500, Jeep Wrangler Unlimited, Dodge Charger, or Chrysler Pacifica you're interested in in the market for a used car. Their team will be happy to fill you in on each of the reliable options in their inventory. And when the time comes for you to drive home your next car, their auto finance team is standing by with solutions to fit your individual needs. Alan Samuels of Oxford truly has every one of your automotive needs covered. The only question left now is how they can best serve you. To take advantage of any one or more of the services Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford provides, be sure to contact them today at 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. You can stop by and see them in person at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford for your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Going now to the Modern Women phone line to speak to Bo Wallace, former Ole Miss quarterback. It's been a while since Bo's been on the podcast, but with Ole Miss football being what it is, no better guy to talk to than Bo. This interview with Bo Wallace brought to you by Thomas Chandler, your Modern Women representative. You've walked this path many times before. It's a chance to think, especially about your future. How will you turn your retirement dreams into reality? Will you have enough gold for your golden years? Your choices for building funds for retirement can be complicated. Fortunately, you have a friend in the community who can help you make the right decisions. That's your Modern Woodman agent. Your agent is a skilled professional who will listen to your needs and desires and then work with you to create a plan that uses the right financial products to achieve your retirement goals. 
Build a lasting professional relationship with a trusted financial advisor. Hi, this is Thomas Chandler, your local Modern Woodman representative. Give me a call today at 662-296-0186. Let's make a difference together. Hotty toddy and go Rebs. Get in touch with your agent today. Modern Woodman of America. Touching lives, securing futures. Joining me now on the Modern Woodman phone line is former Ole Miss quarterback Bo Wallace. Now the offensive coordinator and assistant football coach at Fayetteware High School in Tennessee. Oh, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. You were talking off the air about once you got to Fayetteware, 0 for 66 losing streak, but there's been a pretty significant turnaround for you guys, right? Yeah, I think um had a good – about three years ago before that, you had a lot of winning has gone on there since, you know, the late 90s. I think 96 was their – best season so you know it's been fun to uh you know see these kids win some ball games with you know all the hard work they put in um you know teaching those guys how to be winners you know they they hadn't won many games and this year we're six and two so just getting those guys to embrace the grind and and uh you know keep fighting it's always been difficult for me to understand what it truly means to learn how to win because i feel like it's an excuse now high school that's the ground level but in college all of these guys for the most part have been in highly successful high school programs. They've won before. You came in, y'all won immediately, and that was with the team no one expected to win immediately. Went to the BBVA Compass Bowl in your debut year. So when Matt looks talking about teaching this team how to win, being close, do you buy that? Or is there some truth to the cynic like me that believes it's an excuse? Well, I think you have to have guys in the right places that are winners. I've won a lot of games in high school and then in junior college and then had Cody Pruitt and C.J. Johnson on that defense. You know, young guys. In college, it's a little different because you're going and getting kids from programs that, that are winning programs. So those kids, they shouldn't know how to win. I know that they hadn't won in SEC ball games, but you're recruiting guys that are winners. So um, you have a great point. But in, in, in high school, if you go somewhere that's, hasn't had as much success I think you do have to there's a phase in there where you have to teach them how to win and teach them what it takes to win I think that's more of it not teaching them how to win but teaching them the daily grind and and that's how you win and you make practice hard and then the game you go out there and it's, it's pretty easy once you got done playing football was the path always to go into coaching yeah I mean I knew when I was a little kid that I get into coaching and you know I love it it's a passion you know it gets me my competitive fix I love sitting down, game planning against that defensive coordinator and going out on Friday night and hopefully having a good plan against them and getting our kids to believe in the game plan throughout the week. So if I come to you at the end of the year, next year, year after that, with a head coaching opportunity for New Albany High School back in Mississippi, you taking it? Yeah, no doubt. Okay, yeah. all right, cool. I'd, I'd love to get back to Mississippi. It's, uh, right. you know, high school football down there is, you know, unreal. I got to recruit it when I was down in junior college. I'm very happy where I'm at, but you know, you're know you always wanting to, to move ahead and, and further your career, and um, I've got some people around me that's helping me do that, and I couldn't be more blessed about it. Five years since you've been at Ole Miss, and to think, the Mississippi Mayhem year, and now you look at Ole Miss, what are your thoughts? You're such a big part of that. You're probably key cog in that run, so now that you look at Ole Miss and where things are, what are your thoughts? When you look at the sanctions that we had, you know, it's going to be tough to come out and have great seasons. I said last week I thought that the young guys getting all the production, you look at them and they're still playing really hard uh, for Coach Luke. He just has to continue that and get as many wins as he can and, and build on this year. I do think he should deserve another year just because those guys are playing hard for him. And I don't think you want to 
hurt a, re- a recruiting class when the recruiting class in the past have been so small and things like that. Um, I think for the future of the program, I think it's best to keep them. And, you know, I think those guys are playing hard for him. He's got them playing hard. And I think when you look at firing a guy that's playing a bunch of young guys, I have to look at that. When you think about John Rice Plumley, Matt Corral, two young quarterbacks, John Rice, a true freshman, Matt Corral, redshirt freshman, you came in and set the world on fire. You were good from day one. How is it for a quarterback, that transition, and being the one that takes over and actually producing when your time is called? What's the challenge there? The thing about Matt is kids are a redshirt freshman, and we kind of put him as the face of the program. I thought we put a lot of pressure on him through pushing him through the media and things like that instead of just kind of letting him develop and, and come along. We expected him to come out there and set the world on fire. Well, that, that doesn't always happen when you're a young guy. Looking back from my sophomore year to my senior year, I didn't know what was going on a lot of the times my sophomore year. You know, it was my first year in the SEC, and I know Matt got to play, you know, his games last year, but it's different when you're out there being the starter, having to manage every down. I think that's that, that kind of hurt him because his, the expectations, but – um, you know, I think John Rice comes in and he adds that other that other element. He's the fastest guy on the field when he's out there. You know, I knew I, that when me and Barry were kind of battling and we kind of, you know, we would have his packages for him and stuff, I, I felt like I, it got me out of a rhythm a little bit. I kind of wanted to be playing the whole time. But, you know, at the same time, I kind of understood that they felt like that was best for us to score touchdowns, and, and that's what it has to be. But I think that you can be successful doing that kind of stuff. You just can't get to you're one-dimensional with, with Matt out there, and they know that they're throwing the ball. I think you saw last week they're dropping eight when Matt gets out there and stuff like that. And in the SEC, it's hard to find windows when you know they're dropping eight guys. It's interesting with John Rice Plumley because you look at the lack of passing, and I'm not sure it's so much his inability to pass as the trust in his coaches to get the ball and distribute it where it's supposed to go. Game after game after game, the middle of the field is not being utilized. It's hard for me to rationalize John Rice or Matt, whoever's in at quarterback, is going to the wrong read. When the middle of the field is just consistently not being utilized, at some points you've got to open that up for your players, don't you? Is that more of a coaching thing or a talent thing? I think Rich Rod is kind of trying to protect him a little bit. Being a young guy, uh, he doesn't want to put too many too many tough situations on him, but I mean, he knows this. You know, I'm just I'm a high school offense coordinator. He knows this. You've got to play the whole field, you know, horizontally and vertically. It's kind of like basketball, the way they play it now with the, with the pace and space. Um, you have to use all that space. If you're not utilizing it, there's so many people in other programs that are, are there to do the analytics and things and help game plan that they're game planning for you two weeks in advance. They're going to know everything you're doing, where you're distributing the ball. So I agree, you, you, have, to, you have to make sure you're utilizing the whole field, you know, vertically and horizontally. For me, the screen game, Ole Miss should be one of the best screen games in the country, one of the best screening action teams in the country. Is the screen game something you can add midseason, or if that's not a part of your offensive arsenal, it's not coming until next year? I feel like that's tough when you can't push the ball vertically to have your screen game in because guys are not really worried about rushing the passer when they're not worried about you dropping back and taking shots down the field. They can kind of to read those guys and kind of get in behind the, the offensive linemen that are running the screens. That makes it tougher when you're trying to do your screen actions and things like that. So I think you have to, you know, take your shots down the field with John Rise. I think we take them with Matt, but give him a couple of shots to take the ball down the field. And then I think that just opens up your whole offense when you say, well, okay, we're going to have to make sure, you know, two or three times a game, 
when John Rice is in that we're respecting the pass game because two or three times a game they're going to take a shot. And uh, when we take the shots, we have to be efficient at it. How can you be accurate as a quarterback throwing deep? Because John Rice has had some opportunities and just missed them. I think it's just a feel. Working with quarterback coaches, you can learn those type of things, but I think it's just a feel. And John Rice, he's just got to understand that if you put some air under the ball, those receivers can adjust to it. It's not really high school, and he knows that. He's been in the system since he got here, and he's been throwing to SEC receivers. But if you just put a little air on it, those guys can make those adjustments. And, you know, I remember feeling like overthrowing balls and guys just running and catching it, and just our burst is, uh, you know, unreal. So if he just puts a little bit of air under it, I think um, – those guys will be able to go make plays on and adjust to the football and things like that. That's something I've been saying is that we're putting all this on the quarterbacks, the lack of downfield completions or whatever, accuracy issues in the passing game. But Ole Miss, as far as its receivers are concerned, Elijah Moore is far and away the number one receiving option. And the numbers after that, there's this wide gap. A lot of that has to do with the wide receiver's inability to get separation. And if you're not getting consistent separation, it doesn't matter who the quarterback is it's going to be tough to complete passes. Yeah, that's right. You know, we have young receivers that I think are going to be really good, but I think if you watch uh, Jordan, the way he threw the deep ball last year, I mean, he was an unbelievable deep ball thrower. I know Jordan's around there a lot. John Rice, that's a guy that if I was him, I would try to talk to. You know, how? what did you think when you threw deep balls? I know he had DK and AJ who could make adjustments and things like that, but Jordan was such a, a great deep ball thrower that if I was John Rice, that's somebody that I would look to to kind of talk to, pick his brain a little bit, and see how he, he approached those things. How's your shoulder feeling? Old. Old. <laughs> and Yeah. I can throw a little bit at practice, but I'm old now and breaking down a little bit. So in practice, after you've thrown to the wide receivers, showing the quarterbacks how you do it, do you have to ice the shoulder? Uh, I probably should, but I don't. Well, you've always you been know, stubborn, I, Bo. That's right. And it's changed in, in that facet. So Yeah. <laughs> Well, if you had to take one wide receiver, of any of the wide receivers you had to make one game-winning catch, is it Laquan or the field? Oh, what's the coverage, one-on-one? Let's say it's uh, too high coverage. you got to do a zone beater. Well, Vince Sanders is really good on that post route in quarters. You know, I love Vince on that. If it's one-on-one, I think the best advice I ever got from Coach Warner was if it's one-on-one, throw it to Laquan every time. <laughs> so I think I'd, I'd probably take that matchup. We'll get right back to former Ole Miss quarterback Bo Wallace after this brief word on the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood in Cheney's Pharmacy. Two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. I think we can all agree that Oxford has expanded. Our small little town, the home of the Ole Miss Rebels, is now jam-packed with new developments across the board from housing to restaurants, shops. And while Oxford is bustling like never before, it's made it hard on all of us to find the perfect home in the perfect spot. No one wants to spend three hours going to the grocery store. Fortunately, the Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, is here for you. An innovative new development brought to you by John Welty Realty. It's just blocks from the historic Oxford Square, offering 48 acres that connects homes and restaurants with arts and businesses, setting a new standard for community living with keen detail to ease and classic elegance. One day you might be hungry. You take a few steps outside your front door, go to the grocery store. Maybe go get a drink at the brewery. Maybe spend some time shopping at one of the many offerings that the Lamar will have once development is done. Build-out is happening right now, so get in while you can. The houses are modern, open concept, one-bedroom, two-bedroom. Whatever you're looking for in a home, the Lamar has the perfect spot for you. 
but you want to learn more. So call John Welty today, 662-638-6710. That's 662-638-6710. Hello at the Lamar Oxford MS.com. Hello at the Lamar Oxford MS.com. The Lamar is hot. The only place to live in this jam-packed town that we call home, Oxford, Mississippi. The Lamar, Oxford's first and only traditional neighborhood, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. When it's football season, all you want to do is be around football. Even when you make your trip to the pharmacy, you want to see Ole Miss. The best pharmacy to go to, the only Ole Miss pharmacy really to go to, is Cheney's Pharmacy for all your pharmaceutical needs. Cheney's offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally-owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221. Or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday and 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online, Cheney'sPharmacy.com. And Cheney's Ole Miss is always in season. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Why do you think Laquan really hasn't found success in the NFL? That surprised me. Yeah, me too. You know, no doubt. Um, no, I really expected him to go light the league up. I couldn't tell you. Maybe it's the corners are a little bit bigger. They can be physical with him. I don't know. I wish somebody would pick him up and give him a, an opportunity because the kid's a great talent. kid's a great person. and You just wish the best for those guys that you played with. So do you pay attention to what your former teammates are doing, what Hugh Freeze is doing at Liberty, Ole Miss? I mean, are you watching as much football as possible from your old days at Ole Miss still? No doubt. I try to watch Freeze when I can, see what he's doing on offense. And I don't really have an NFL team, so I root for guys that I played with. And even A.J. and D.K., those guys are in the Ole Miss fraternity. And anytime you have guys lighting up the league, you want to see what they do every week. And they're just really exciting to watch play. So it's good football when you get to see them, get to get to watch them play. When was the last time you were in Oxford? Not long ago. I haven't been to a game yet just because we break down film on Friday nights. You know, I usually get out of there about 3.30 or 4. So it's tough to go to a game and then come back and start game planning on Sunday. Um, so I haven't been to a game yet, but I definitely want to get down there soon. What's the reception like when you come back? It's good. You know, it's good. Um, people saying they appreciated what I did there and, and things like that. And that's what it means the most to you is people kind of remember your legacy. And that's all I wanted when I was playing there was to, to leave a mark. And I felt like I did. And, and our team was able to do that as well. Yeah, because I've said this before and I've told you this before. I think I told you the last time you were on the podcast of all the players in Ole Miss history, you were one of the most important. And I think now with the benefit of time, you can look back and say, yeah, I get that now. Yeah, yeah. I had some ups, ups and downs there. Wish I, I, I could have been a little bit more consistent. Um, but, you know, you learn. You, know, you learn, and all the rough times that I had, they've kind of built me into the coach I am and the grinder that I am now. And I appreciate the great times, but even more I appreciate the times that you learn a lot about yourself. How many times have you rewatched the Alabama game? Uh, not too much anymore. Uh, really? You know, if it's on, yeah, yeah, if it's on, I'll watch it. But sometimes I'll go back and I'll see something in the defense we're playing, and I'll go back and find something from my old cut-up that we used and uh, try to implement that in my game plan. But I'm not really watching just to watch. It's more of what were we doing right there, how do we attack that, and uh, what can I use that we used to use for, for now. The one throw you could take back would be what? 
Oh, shit, LSU all day. I knew it. I knew yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. What did you see when you threw that ball? I was on the bench, and, uh, you know, I, I thought we was going to kick a field goal. All of a sudden, I started hearing my name. So we're running a uh, – we're rolling out. We're running a, uh, a hitch route. Quan's supposed to run it at about four yards, sit it on the sideline. Cody's going to run a fade, you know, right through him. I saw that I had Cody when I rolled out. Laquan kind of took it to about seven or eight yards, so it messed up the timing a little bit. Um, and then I kind of saw Cody run by the guy. Didn't even see the safety over the top because he was on the right hash when we started rolling. And I think I just I left the ball up too much. But if I were threw it a little farther, I think Cody could have made a play on it. And one of the worst decisions I ever made could have been one of the best. But at the end of the day, that's not what happened. And that's something I got to live with. And it sucks. You know, you regret it, but it is what it is. I mean, come on. No one's thinking about that game anymore. You don't have to live yeah. with that, dude. You don't have to live with that one. Come on. Yeah, well, you know you know me. It's tough to try to do things the right way all the time. And that one just sucks. You know, when you look back at the uh, what we were doing that year, I had a chance to win that game. But I will say, we tried to run the ball every first down. And it really started getting frustrating when we were – I think we're minus two yards on first down rushes, and that kind of hurt us that whole game. We were an offense that was very confident, and I felt like we got very conservative that game. That kind of sucks looking back on. Well, I love Andrew Ritter to death. Good friend of the program. He's been on here multiple times. But Andrew would have had to make, like, what, a 50-yarder? Yeah, uh, I think it was – it wasn't Andrew at that time. Andrew had graduated, so it oh. was uh, it was Wonderlit. I think it was Wonderlit. Okay, it was Gary. Okay. And I think he may have – was he a freshman that year? Yeah. He was yeah, young. so it would have been a it would been a big time kick. I mean, come on, let's not act like that was the game ender. The game ender was all the injuries and everything yeah. that Ole Miss had to do. I mean, that that's kind of what it was. Who was right. the best teammate you ever had? DT's up there, just the leader he is. I'll tell you, my senior year was the first time I've been on a team that really just cared about the success of everybody else. We knew that my success is going to come if Quan's successful, if guys cared about each other. When I look back, that whole team was just special. But, you know, we had some special individuals, DT, uh, CJ. He didn't get to play as much my senior year, but he was always there. Cody Pruitt, what a leader in the back end for us. Jalen Walton being a is, and he's throwing blocks and pass protection. Really cared about each other on that senior team. Which Egg Bowl win was sweeter? Beating Dak and that Mississippi State team at home after they were number one that year or the other Egg Bowl? beating them at home, supposedly the best team they ever had. We go out there, and everybody's hurt. I'm pretty much playing on, on one leg and uh, to go score all those points. And, and that was a fun uh, game plan that, that Coach Freeze had. You know, we kind of just threw the kitchen sink at them, and uh, you saw with the Jordan Jordan Wilkins pass late in the game. And then uh, what an awesome run by Jalen Walton, that 94-yarder or whatever it was. Uh, so that's probably my biggest memory is, and and I remember the crowd that game. You know, it was just electric. Uh, they helped us. They helped us out a lot to win that game. And uh, so you know, looking back, that's probably my favorite memory of the egg bowl. I've always wanted to say this to you before I let you go. That peach bowl wasn't your fault. I feel like Robin Williams <laughs> in Goodwill Hunting. My God, I felt bad for you. I remember uh, the first snap. We ran a, a boot play, and I got hit in the mouth. And I, I said, Yep, this is going to be. This is going to be a fun one right here. So, uh, that's, <laughs> I tell you, I, I hadn't watched that film. Uh, I don't think I ever will. Yeah, so. no, no, no. No I, disrespect I feel, to I, anybody, but 
there's a difference when Laramie Tunsil is not your left tackle. Right, yeah. If I start uh, thinking about it too much, I start shaking. So I yeah. try to keep it on my head. Worst hit you ever took, was that in that game? No, Kenny Vaccaro, um, remember my sophomore year, we're playing oh, Texas. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, I go out on an option, I take a pitch, and I never see him coming. He hits me right in the ribs. He doesn't even hit me in the head, and everything went white, and I just started hearing sirens in my head and uh, couldn't breathe. So uh, I think that's the hardest hit I took. Yeah. Rib shots are probably <laughs> the worst shots to take, right? Yeah, I, I, what I, I got lucky that one of his uh, teammates were behind me or he probably would have knocked me about six yards backwards he hit me so hard. So, oh, God. Yeah, uh, yeah it would have looked real bad if that guy wasn't behind me to, run, to, to fall into. But you want your son to play football, everybody, right? There's no doubt about it. It's oh, the best on. game in the world. Oh, so. that sounds like a coach. You know how I know you're a coach? You're saying stuff like that. Best game yep. in the world. Yep. Best time of your lives. Now you're a coach. That's it. Yeah. That's He's it. Bo Wallace, former Ole Miss quarterback. Nothing but love for you, buddy. Thank you for doing this. We'll do it again. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. That was former Ole Miss quarterback Bo Wallace. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. And the guest co-host chair is Nate Gabler. Again, if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud. Just simply search Talk of Champions. And should be wherever you get your podcast. If I'm not in a particular spot, let me know on Twitter at Spirit Ben, and I'll get it wherever you need it. Talk of Champions is powered by BNA Bank. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. Back with me now is Nate Gabler. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. My thanks to Bo Wallace. He joined us on the Modern Woodman phone line. Nate, this bye week as you finish things out, what are you working on? Uh, I mean, honestly, a few a few different things. I've been trying to do a few more like high school features. I, there's a kid over at Lafayette that's a three-star athlete. I don't know how much you heard about him. Ran for 250 last week, actually. He's been pretty entertaining couple of things like that honestly i'm just trying to take a little time off this weekend and kind of chill do you have any interest in fall Ole Miss baseball practices i i haven't been to one have you i mean mostly yes. that's a mostly that's a time concern i would i would like to get out there i'm just juggling a few different things and have not who's looking good offensively it's been a struggle but hayden leatherwood's that's... done pretty well some freshmen that have really impressed one guy who hasn't been very good is josh hall they need him to be That's better. You thought he'd be their starting center fielder. I don't know if it is a problem. I'm not sure that their starting center fielder isn't one of the two freshmen, Jerry on Ely or John Rice Plumley, come this time January, I, February. I'm I'm still skeptical that we're going to see both of them out there. If really? we're to be completely honest, yeah. If John Rice wants to be, if he's going to be the full time quarterback moving forward, I'd be very surprised if we see him on a baseball field. Do you disagree? When's the last time we saw someone really be successful in two sports in college? Kyler? Jameis. Jameis Winston. I forgot about Jameis. Yeah. He pitched at what, Florida State. Uh, but, I mean, I just think it's hard to be a quarterback and do both. Obviously, I mean, those two guys that you just named did. But I, I just, I'd be really surprised. I don't know. And maybe I'm just completely wrong. Ole Miss basketball is picked to finish eighth in the league. I said this earlier when it came out. Feels about right. I will always be of the opinion until proven otherwise that this team will probably recruit towards 
the bottom third of the conference and finish towards the bottom, a top third. So I would say they'll probably finish a little higher than that. I mean, they just don't have the name recognition on this team. I, I mean, I really like the basketball team a lot. Other than Tyree, no one knows anyone on this team. Which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, Schuler will end up being known at the end of the year. How worried are you about Blake? Not that worried. Ole Miss injury-wise is, knock on wood, got a clean bill of health outside of Blake. And Blake right now, he's in non-contact. He won't be cleared for full contact until mid-November. The expectation is he'll be back for Memphis. That's the timeline that they're working on. Yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if they take it easy with him until mid-December. Either way, December is when he's going to really be let loose. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's you can have him back for Memphis. Sure. But what you sh- they should just be focused on taking it slow and making sure he's good to go come conference play. Because that's when he- they're going to need him. The Memphis game is important, but it's not that important, man. No, it's not. And I will say it's a testament to Kermit Davis and staff and their ability to land top-ranked recruits that we're not sitting here pressing the panic button in October because Blake Kinsey could be out for a significant stretch. Yeah, this team last year, I mean, you're, you're talking a team that didn't even want to play seven guys. Like, if they could have gotten away with playing six guys, they would have. So missing, losing one of them for real time would have been a nightmare. But this team's the opposite of that. They're going to play nine or ten probably, so it'll be okay to miss Blake for a month if they have to. Think about it. When Devontae Shuler went down, everyone was saying, oh, man, if he's out, it's over. Yeah, and you're seeing 20 minutes a game of D.C. Davis, yeah. which, like, God bless the dude, but, like, that's not 20 minutes Kermit wanted to play. Honestly, like with Schuler last year, if this team is, if that team was deeper, I bet he missed more time and sat out more time. Cause he I was agree. not himself for the five, six, seven games after he came back. I don't know I if agree. he ever got to a hundred percent. He is now, but you're right. Yeah. Last season, I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if he was ever a hundred percent after he came back from that. Now, if Schuler goes down, Crowley can step in. Franco's healthy. I mean, there's just a number of different guys. My question to you is, is this a tournament team? I think it is. I, I just look at it compared to last year's team. And I, I think even without you lose Terrence Davis, who like is playing real NBA minutes now week one, I, it's just so much deeper that the team as a whole, I think it's better. Will they win some of the big games that they need to? I think that tournament in Brooklyn over Thanksgiving day weekend will be really important. You get Penn state. And then what is it? Syracuse? I think Oklahoma state, you get one of those two. So I think winning a game like that, winning a game like they get Butler at home this year as opposed to going to Butler like they did last year, those games are going to be really important. I do think that you're right. Losing him, there's going to be a step back in some way. And I can't say enough good things about TD. It's awesome to see him already getting minutes for the Raptors. That's going to matter. But Ole Miss, fortunately, because of the recruiting ability of Kermit Davis and his staff, have the ability to make up for it, unlike other previous Ole Miss teams when they lose a guy of the caliber of TD, it'd have been hard to make up for it, but they have the bodies at least to uh, try to do that. Yeah, and, and they're not going to say, hey, Devontae Shuler, be, be Terrence Davis this year. You're going to want Devontae Shuler to be Shuler, and you replace Davis by a committee of, of depth and other good players. But like He still was... 15 points and six rebounds and four assists or whatever he was last year. Like, it's hard to replace that. It just is. It's been Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. If you haven't already, subscribe, rate, review Talk of Champions and iTunes. Also available in SoundCloud and should be wherever you get your podcast. Just simply search Talk of Champions. I write for the Ole Spirit, omspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports. How can the people read your stuff? You can follow me on Twitter at NateGabler, OxfordEagle.com. That's, that's pretty much it. What do you do in Nashville on a bye week? 
Uh, I mean, Casey Musgraves is playing Friday night. I'd maybe go there. Nice. I have some friends in town still. Just kind of enjoy it. Try to eat good food, hang out. I'm not really a, I don't, Broadway is fun, but I'm not going back to Broadway probably. My daughter loves Casey Musgraves. She's seven. The first time <laughs> she'd ever been introduced to Casey Musgraves was her Christmas album. And that's where Casey's got this pink album cover. She's wearing white earmuffs. And so my daughter, because she could never remember her name, would say, hey, daddy, can we listen to the pink lady? Yeah, she's weird. I she's mean, awesome, I say that in though. a good way. I like weird, but yeah, she's very good. Thank you for doing this, man. I appreciate it. Go enjoy yourself this weekend. Thank you, man. You too. Enjoy the off time. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.